All right, Case. So, episode ten, unestablished tycoons. I'm glad you're on today. Realty yes, One yes, Group, next level. Good to be on with you, man. Absolutely, it's a absolutely. So, I said you're Realty One Group, next level. And <clears throat> where were you before that? I was at Coldwell Banker. Coldwell Banker. Okay. I actually was at Coldwell twice. I started at Dairy, and then I went and I transferred to Bedford because okay. the Dairy branch went under. So. Start me at the beginning of, of getting your license. So how long ago was that? Um, two years, about two years, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit more. Um, but yeah, so I was kind of looking for just a new change, a new direction in my life. Um, I'd worked construction my whole life and done developing. My dad was a you know contractor, GC, um, did some developments and stuff like that. He uh, did all the property maintenances and stuff for Wyndham Villages. I don't know if you know them. Um, way back in the day, uh, that was one of his big contracts. And then, um, he basically, I, I just got mixed up in the wrong crowd in high school. I kind of, I got, I was epileptic for a little bit. Um, and that sent me down a really bad path cause I couldn't do any of the sports that I was doing in the past. Um, so I lost like, a lot of my motivation and kind of like my identity. Cause like I loved sports as a kid. And then I had my little girl and it was, that was Dude, that was a complete life change, and it was like my whole the just vision just opened up, and it also like it was like truth just smacked me right in the face because yeah. I was like, "Wow, I'm not the man I want to be," and I could never, I would never want my daughter to end up with a man like me, right? And that's like when it really hit me. Like I was like, "You need a change, case, because all you are really right now is just a pretty face." And right. you know, you don't got much between the ears. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, the revelation, please. Yeah, I did, and uh, that's what it takes, man. You know, it it took. Uh, I think there's a quote out there that says something like, "You know, fools." Um, what is it? A fool. Um, Fools think they like know everything basically and the wise realize how much they don't know. And that's basically like where I came to is I was like, wow, I know nothing. And, um, I had always been good at sales, talking to people, stuff like that. I did uh, political door knocking for a really long time. Oh, really? Yeah. So I was actually, uh, (laughs) Marilinda Garcia. Who was that? Was that like a local, like a local, local? I can't even remember. So my, my sister's really involved in politics. I'm not that political. Um, and she was on one of the campaigns, um, or maybe it was Kelly Ayotte. It might've been Kelly Ayotte. She was on one of the campaigns though. And she was like, Case, I can get you a really good job. Like 20 bucks an hour. Um, High school, you know, yeah, yeah. just you want to just walk around and talk to people and take, <laughs> and take yeah, take polls. So I was going knocking on doors, you know, who you voting for, you know, I'd try to see if they had Trump flag or don't tread on me or whatever, and yeah. try to hit those doors first. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. they'll probably like you. I, a I more. don't get yelled at before I'm like, dude, I had the cops call me one time. Um, actually, my sister did, um, as well. I had the cops calling me though, and I just ran off, but my sister. <laughs> I like I was like I just dipped and I called the manager and I was like you gotta pick me up man <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I didn't sign up for this shit <laughs> for real and uh, my sister though she didn't run she actually got she actually went and got uh, interviewed because she was like I because she like knows all of her rights and everything like that and like I had memorized the constitution and she was like you know it's like freedom of speech and all this stuff and she was like the fact that they're trying to take that away from me while I'm trying to like like do this and like 
Dude, she she like really made a point, and she actually was on like the TV and stuff. <laughs> really? Yeah, she was on uh, the local news station. So it was, oh, like proving her point? Yeah, proving no her way. point. They got she got an interview, dude. They requested no an interview because she was like, she made a huge scene out of it, and she was like, dude, you can't call the cops on me when I'm just like political door knocking. Yeah, I'm just knocking on your door, bro. Yeah, like, like chill out, out. Yeah. chill out. So she ran into like a real liberal, and they like freaked out and called the cops. And then she made it like a point out of them, like a huge statement. Yeah. So it was like, there's been some crazy stuff, but, um, yeah. So I got a lot of, I got into it doing that. Um, just talking to people and stuff like that. I had a lot of sales jobs growing up and then I've worked everywhere. I've worked at like sushi places, been a waiter, been a bar, bar uh, not a bartender, a, uh, bus boy, yep. uh, dishwasher work construction, just a ton of stuff and I kind of I was I out of nowhere I was I started looking up because after I got pregnant um or my, after she got pregnant and then say I, wait a second yeah. you're telling me something <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no after she got pregnant I was like all right I need to figure out a you know way of making good income um and I I looked up businesses that were easiest, businesses with the lowest startup fees, um, you know, that you can make like the most traction in the quickest, make the most money basically. And I looked it up and the first one that came up, I think was cleaning. And I was like, dude, like it came to me like, an, it was just like an aha moment, like huge epiphany. And I was like, dude, my family is literally involved in all these Airbnb arbitrages and like, like is involved in Airbnb arbitrage and they all own all these Airbnbs and no, and they have, and they're all struggling with getting cleaners, property maintenance people that will just cut the lawn, change light bulbs, just like minuscule stuff that that they just don't want to deal with and want to delegate out. And they were like, I, I just thought about it. I'm like, I already have all these clients. Like, why am I not utilizing this? You know, because where there's a problem, you know, if you can resolve that issue, that's where you make the money, you know, and that's where you become val- a person of value. And so I I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. And I, I started up my own cleaning company and in and out cleaning services. And I, I went to my dad after, after I bought all the stuff. So I could, you know, I showed initiative and I bought all the stuff I needed. I actually went and I got trained by a cleaner that had biz- Dick Logan, Richard Logan. And he had been, he was like 80 years old and um, still cleaning. Eh? Yeah. That went a little sideways. I was actually supposed to, uh, take, I don't want to name drop, but I was supposed to like take over, you know, his business in the future or whatever. And then one of his family members came back into the picture so I was kind of like booted out of the equation. I didn't get anything in writing. Yeah. So I spent a year there learning stuff and then kind of got told. He gave me a few raises, but like it just wasn't making, you know, it wasn't enough. Right. And I was like, all right, well, if I'm not going to do this. And at this point, did you have your daughter? Yeah. Okay. And so I really needed to make ends meet. And I was like, dude, I'm barely scraping by, you know. So I did this with the intention to run my own company one day. And I've been here longer than I, you know than I was planning on with the promise with good faith that you were going to, you know, give me a chunk of the business. And he didn't. So I, the only reason I left him was because, because of that. Otherwise he was a great guy, you know, man of God, trustworthy. He was, a, he was like a grandfather figure to me. Um, 
which was super cool. Taught me how to fish. Um, took me out, you know, saltwater fishing, everything like that. Like, took me out on his boat. Helped me buy a boat. Um, the John boat I have and stuff. He was the one that set that up. I didn't up know you had a boat. Yeah, I have a little, like, 12, 12-foot John boat. Uh, oh, okay. With, like, a two-horsepower outboard and then some, you know, a nice trolling motor on it. But, um, but yeah, so I was, like... You know, boat, trailer, all that stuff. And he helped me get it for, like, 300 bucks. And I, like, sanded it down to the yep. freaking steel. And it was, like, it's an older one, so it's steel, and which is sick. And then uh, I just painted it light blue and called it a day. <laughs> light blue. But he – I left him, got my own cleaning company, all that situated. Had – you know, I started cleaning for my dad. And he's like, wow, like, you're, you're like, a lot better than I thought you were going to be. Like, like, damn. Like, you're actually doing yeah, something. Yeah, you're actually doing something with your life. So he's like, all right, no, this, this is awesome. Like, he saw me being proactive. And for once in my life, I was actually driven. And again, and he, I think he saw that in me, and he really was like, you know, I want to invest in you as much as I can. So he he helped, really helped me out, and he um, kind of, like, put me on to his other friends that were doing Airbnb. And before I knew it, I had, like, expanded like three times you know oh, i i now i have like five or six people like clean their and in what period for. of time from like starting that business to- this was probably well it took a year of actually cleaning at uh richard's company and then i went and i cleaned um after that year i quit and my dad i had already kind of been picking up side jobs for him so he saw like during that year that like i was progressing he's like wow he's learning like a lot um and then i uh went into he was like he's really progressing and then i went into by the time i was ready to walk away from rich i had gone and had a conversation with my dad and i was like listen i'm i'm gonna be you know i want to work your airbnbs full time and i said um so I, i was it was actually during a big family meeting every sunday we get together and we have dinner together like all of us and all you know my sister's husband and her everyone in the we have a huge family and we all just sit around this big round like big my parents my parents have a huge dining room table and we just all have a huge feast there potluck and we just break bread together and a lot of our deals actually happen at that table oh really which is super cool because like all of us are in real estate now and we all just talk about real oh have you seen that house on on ford broad on on east ford broadway or whatever you you seen the house on broadway you seen the house on fordway extension you said multifamily just came on the market oh look at this one you know what i'm saying like it's just like an entire real estate family an entire real estate family and all we talk about about his real estate and it's hilarious um real estate and church <laughs> and we start we start going into it and i talked to them and i'm like listen guys i'm thinking about you know leaving um richard and, and starting up my own business and i uh, like you know i was like kind of like you know hook, hook yeah, line yeah, and sinker yeah, yeah, see, yeah, testing like the waters to see throwing if throwing a pin out there yeah open. and it kind of waited and i like, looked around and they were all like I'd use you, Case. I'd use you. I'd use it. It's just they start spreading around the table. They're like, I'd use you. You're like looking down the table like, would you use me? Yeah. Would you <laughs> yeah. use me? Yep. And I just started kind of asking. And then, you know, some of that came from like other people um, that have started, that were my dad's friends that had started Airbnbs were like, hey, who do you use for cleaning? And they're like, oh, my son. So I just got a lot of referrals, everything like that. And then that was like my bread and butter. To this day, it's my bread and butter. Um just it's you know quick cash always coming in um yeah because you're always at some place on a lake 
Exactly. Like, what, it's, what, it's so what nice. Doing? Yeah, it's exactly. It's I'm always just sitting on lakefront just cleaning houses, lake houses. So um that's how I got into that. And then I started, you know, after doing cleaning for a while, I was like, "Okay, dad, I am, you know, I said it came to me one day. I said, "Um, you're buying all these new properties and stuff for Airbnb and everything and you just keep refinancing and renting and repeating and buying new property and everything like that." And I started like seeing a need there. And I was like, "Why am I not the middleman for this? Like why am I not getting paid for this?" Like I could literally just buy the properties for so you. So that's where it started was your dad. It. Your dad and him yeah. buying everything. Okay. And they so my dad and my brother in law Ivan started buying all these properties. My dad was buying properties and I was just like, okay, and I was seeing it. But then when Ivan started buying them was when I was like, wait a second, Ivan's a huge cause he used to work for Axel. Right. And he Who's this your brother? Yeah, he's my brother in law. Oh. My brother in law oh, that's right. Ivan worked for Axel and I saw that he was doing his own, you know, investments and stuff. And I'm like, like just, you know, personal investments. And I'm like, dude, like, why don't I get in on this action? You know what I'm saying? Cause he's not a realtor. He's just a real estate operations guy. You know, he's great at running the numbers and yeah, stuff he like that. Yeah, he didn't need his license. Exactly. He didn't need his license. He did tons of wholesale and off market stuff, not wholesale, off market stuff. So I was just like, okay. Um, yeah, you know, you know, he did it wholesale too, but I was like, all right, so now I have two huge investors in the family. Like, I'm, I'm stupid if I don't go for this, you know yeah, what I'm right, saying? So right. I'm like, so I reached out to my long, my dad's longtime family friend, um, who worked for Coldwell, and she had offered me when I was younger. I think I was like 17, but I just was not mature enough to handle everything. And she was going to offer me to be an intern there, and then that internship like program like shut down or something weird because they didn't have enough people um so they they basically told me like i'll come back next year and i just never did so i already had my foot in the door from like years ago and then i recalled her up and i said hey like would you reconsider that deal and, she and was what like, was this that was when i called her up yeah, yeah or yeah. when she first offered me when i when she first offered me the internship that was with she just reached out to my dad when i was like 17 and she was like case seems like he's really good with people because of like political door knocking everything like that she's like he should be an internship an intern in the office and then just get paid like that and then go into real estate eventually and he would know like a ton he'd be able to test the waters a little bit and i said i said no then and then years later here i am calling her and i'm like Hey, <laughs> me again, me again. Um, you know, my life's a lot different. I have a kid now. I've run my own personal company. Um, you know, would you, would you guys be willing to take me on if I went and went ahead and got my real estate license and she, they helped me pay for the schooling. They helped me. Really? Yeah. Like they did it all. Yeah. They helped me a lot. She gave me like, uh, she gave me all the, like what, what I needed to do. She kind of walked me through the process. Um, I went to Kathy Ruza's school of real estate. Yeah. I went there too. Yeah. 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 They, she sent me to her. She was great. She's phenomenal. I love Kathy. Oh, Kathy's awesome. Yeah. Kathy's awesome. The best realtors come from Kathy. Absolutely. 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 I agree. Um, shout out to Kathy. Yeah. Yeah. If you're watching this, Kathy, yeah. thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So, um, I did that and then I was, I was there and I was at the office and a lot of the problem, it wasn't the people at the first office that were the problem. It was, it was just honestly, a lot of them were old cats and I believe since their time, 
in real estate. They, they were getting a lot of their connections and stuff from their natural sphere. And anytime I'd ask, hey, how do I get more leads? How do I get, you know, how do I get more prospects and, and, and do this thing better? And they, they would literally be like, oh, um, I was like, you know, I've always asked, like, what was the tipping point to your success? Like, what was that like? tipping point where like you started getting a lot of traction and they would just sit there and look at me like <laughs> and then they're like know, my dude. natural sphere yeah just every year someone yeah, hits me up literally and i'm and i and i looked at them and i'm like well dude i'm 23 none of the people i know want to buy houses yeah, like right. how am i supposed to do this um little did i know i i just wasn't utilizing my sphere i think as well as i could have but yeah your sphere is not just 23 yeah it's a yeah i would just wasn't shooting for the big fish in the right. pond you know i was i was small-minded then and um but that was just me starting out so then i started i started asking these people and i just heard the same thing over and over and oh my natural sphere oh, over the years i do this oh i send out mailers i do this and i'm like boring 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 in my head <laughs> and uh i'm like this isn't gonna work and and sure enough, it just wasn't working out. That that the office I started, I actually went under. Really? Um, yeah, the one, which, bef- a few months into the dairy branch. The dairy branch, really. Before I left, like a few months before I left, and I, I was I was just like so, I was just like, dude, I'm not like doing any business here. Like this, yeah, right. this is awful. Go to I went to one class at um, the Bedford branch of Coldwell and you know I it seemed a lot better they're a lot more competitive a lot more healthy and like healthy competitive environment you know they had a board with the houses that they were closing and you know they gave out awards and stuff to the agents you know they just just like they created a, a culture create a culture a little bit more you know a little bit more recognition and stuff like that and I was like okay um you know like this is all right and then uh yeah it was just it got so they were very much like like when they were teaching us to sell and this is something i didn't like and, and i learned that that wasn't the way afterwards because i started noticing it because i'm very like like i i like to analyze mm-hmm. you know i'm analytical i like to analyze people and or analyze just things in general and think like why does that work the way it does right um and i was kind of like sitting there one day and i'm like in class they're like just tell uh, uh, Coldwell is the most recognized name in all of in all of uh, the world or whatever, and and just tell them you work with Coldwell, and they'll beat out most deals and everything like that because they're just the most recognized, and they're just just saying Coldwell, Coldwell, Coldwell. Nothing about me, nothing unique about me. It's just all Coldwell, and here are our cool brochures that we're gonna give you to sell. Yeah, and, with, with like generic looking people on the front buying some ridiculous house. It's like HGTV, $200,000 budget. They want like 8,500 square feet. So and I'm like looking at this and I'm like, dude, I'm like, so how am I going to, I'm going to sell, I'm, they're going to choose me because of you. Like, why yeah. don't they just come to you being like the broker or whatever? Yeah, why like, did they call me and not the branch? And exactly. So I'm like, what is going to separate me from the other agents in the game? And this is where, like, the genius sparked. Like, this is when I started actually thinking for myself and not, like, and questioning why I was being taught the things I was being taught versus, you know, listening to them and just being a puppet. Right. 
and which I think a lot of agents come into real estate and they're too trusting and they're too, it's a very cutthroat industry. And I think people go in and they're too trusting and they're too, they're naive and they get taken advantage of. And that's how they learn their lessons and accept it, except instead of learning through analyzing situations and stuff, they learn the hard way right. and they get kicked in the ass, you know, well, and I've had is, to learn the hard way sometimes, but it's like, well, yeah. And I mean, we all have to work, learn our own ways, but the problem is to like, you know, in my my philosophy to go about this would be like opening brokerages for certain types of people. Like I don't, I really don't think that there's any re, any problem with having a brokerage for for realtors that are starting up, realtors yeah. that are beginning to. Yeah. Like there's no problem with that because we've seen young realtors are more than capable of transacting sometimes an exponential rate uh, rate of real estate than. Then well, whoever you know their counterparts because we're literally grown and we're seeped into this new new age this new generation and this new generation is all technology mm -hmm. you know and that's the thing is a lot of the older cats and and veterans they have a lot of the knowledge but they don't know how to utilize the the tools at hand of of marketing and social media platforms and half of them don't even know how to use instagram they just use facebook you know what i'm saying yeah like, i mean I've, I've had a realtor before tell me that i had to walk her through opening a file on her computer i'm like are, 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 are you serious <laughs> these are the things i'm talking yeah. about though they're very old school and i found like there's a lot of like there's not like a lot of like i feel like like 30 30 year old agents it's like it's like young or like yeah, like 22 50. or like 50 <laughs> i had an agent the other day he's like 80 something yeah dude so and they're like they're like scratching their head they don't even know how to like function in this new age and i think that's what gives us such the upper hand is that we are actually able to make our voices 10 times louder as a generation and like like the youth are able to like be 10 times louder because of the platform that we're able to stand on with technology and actually being able to utilize that to its full benefit whereas these other older cats they're sitting down making out their mailers and sending out right. and they can only do so much of that they can't even delegate it using ai or any of that stuff oh, they're not using their well, AI, ai to write property entire, descriptions by the way this entire outline was done by chat gpt just adds up that's what i'm saying like, dude well, and, and it's things like that and you know it's it's you know what's funny kiana i i, I had this thought when you were talking about that agents now like we're always just in society. We're growing, we're developing, we're learning, we're refining everything in society. Mm -hmm. And one of those things right now, we're in the technological age. Yep. And so I think we get to a point where it's like human psychology is human psychology. Using social media is the best way to get in front of people. And you know, the rule of seven, you get somebody's yes, going to see you seven, seven times. Seven to 10. Seven to 10 times, but they say it's about seven times. Mm -hmm. So, you know, human psychology is is a constant it's a matter of how much have we learned about it in the last 10 years versus the, the prior 50 and so the agents coming up in that time period they didn't know as much about human psychology and, and how to how to go again how to go about certain things like this right mm -hmm. like how to put yourself in front of people the correct way the most efficient way it's like yeah, yeah you can send mailers all the time but the best marketers out there, and I'm actually in a lead gen course right now, and this company, they do uh, they, they, they do like four or five million a year just in wholesaling, but at 300 deals, 300 plus deals, 
they have like 35 marketing channels. Yeah, that's and they yeah. are they are hitting people in so many different it's, angles, and it's human psychology. Now that we know more about it, marketing first, man. Marketing, marketing first. first, but all of this type of stuff, this technology, we were blessed to like have grown up around it, and we know how to yeah. use it. And now that it's being paired with a psychological benefit, we're able to to use it. And I think that's truly one hundred percent where brokerages go wrong is because whether. You, you know, th- there's something to be said for you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah. No, o- they're older absolutely. agents, not all of them want to use technology. And some of and them are not s- willing to, they're not willing to learn how to use. You well, know, that's like what I mean. You, you like have you said, some of them. They don't them. want it. They have you know? some, yeah, you have some of them who don't want it, but. And then some that want it, but they just can't learn. <laughs> and those are the, that's what I'm talking about when I say, I think some brokerages, some do it great. Like you guys actually do a great job oh, yeah. at I think- like modernizing marketing Super and social modern, media trendy and yeah you guys are you guys are on that wave as a brokerage yeah. not just a, a that's single why agent. i chose them that's why i chose reality one is because i saw their podcast i saw their marketing i saw all that they were doing and how they were actually relevant with the times and i was like okay i don't i don't care if they're not freaking horse historical dude and they did you know what i'm saying and they yeah. they're not the most recognized all throughout the world like they're growing rapidly they're mm-hmm. growing faster than coldwell did you know why yeah you have because a... their marketing is light years ahead of theirs, right you know right. what i'm saying right well and that's the thing it's like it's like it, there's nothing wrong with going around and saying like listen i have a backing of a hundred years or something right like like i'm with coldwell so when you get me you don't just get me you get coldwell but to sell Coldwell is completely different than to sell the agent with the backing of Coldwell. And it's the same thing for any brokerage, right? And so some brokers, some brokerages, you need to be um, like more present and as an agent because the brokerage isn't big enough. You know what's funny though is is I actually had the the, the time that I, now I'm, you just like refresh my memory. The, the time that I had the epiphany of, you know, people don't want to work with the brokerage. They want to work with you was actually when I was at Coldwell, my, um, at, and at the dairy office, my broker told me that. Oh, really? Yeah. At the dairy office, the very first, like, like the very first week she told me that she was like, Oh, don't worry about it. People won't want to work with you because you know, at the end of the day, they want to work with you because you're you, but they didn't say, she didn't say because of the brokerage or anything. She just said, cause you're you. And then that kind of did stick with me because like later on, that's what made me leave is her very words. Right. Because I started thinking and I said, wait, if they're working with me because of me and you guys are training me basically just saying, throw our name around. Right. Like your, your words aren't lining up with your actions. Right. And I was completely opposite. Yeah. And I was like, your message that your company and business is sending is not the same as what's actually relevant in the market today. And that's when I was like, okay, I need to change and jump ship and go to the winning side, you know, yeah. or some, some side that's winning. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, so, somewhere, 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 that's, somewhere. That's, that's, that's winning. You so know? you're at Realty One, you make that transition. And so you, correct me if I'm wrong, you made it, you made that switch about a year or so ago, right? Yeah. Okay. And I've pretty much like I think I've doubled the, the uh, I think I had like three and a half sales when I transferred, yeah. dude. And now I have, I think, eight or nine. Nice. Good for you, man. So I like well, I remember, what I, I remember actually the first time we ever met was at, it was the premier mortgage lending 
yeah, um, like yeah. appreciation event when they were premiere. Yeah, I, th- I think that's when they were. Still no, but we did. We met the same night that. Um, I think you were trying. They were trying to get you to transfer over here as well. And I'm, yeah, I'm there were so there happy. were talks. I am so happy you did it. <laughs> yeah, for you, for you, because like oh, yeah. after getting to know you, I'm like, oh, bro. That just would have been so such a bad move, and I'm yeah. so I'm so happy that you were able to see, kind of like learn from my experience and yeah. be able to be like, okay, no, that's not a good a good route. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm I'm good at least where I'm at for for the time being. I like, you know, tons of flexibility. Tons, that, tons that's of, really what I look for, right? And and you know, I, I mean, you have flexibility too. You don't yeah. work. You don't work a full time job. You exactly. just work an all time job. Exactly. So, <laughs> you know, it's a little bit different. Yeah, a little bit. But no, so I, I remember though, so we met and I had just seen like you had just transferred at this point. Yep. And you transferred. Did you transfer with? You transferred with clients because mm-hmm. you put a house under agreement like the first day you were there. And I went up to you and I was like, this kid's badass. Yeah. Day one. <laughs> Day one, already under agreement, dude, setting the tone at that brokerage. Yeah. I was like, I was like, this is sick. And I, I'd seen you like literally no, so on was, Josh's story, I think a yeah. little something like that. There was talk um, between a client and me and, uh, and I had opened up to them a little bit and I just said, listen, um, we don't have anything in writing yet. You know, um, I know, I know you're pre-approved and everything and um, I know you want to work with me, but I said, uh, I know we don't have anything in writing, which is great. And I said, I want to, you know, I, I, I think we, I'm, I'm switching brokerages. I just want you to know that. So give me a week or less. I was less than a week. I was like, give me a few days. And literally I was like, and, and I, and I'll get you and we'll, you know, I'll, I'll do the deal over there and it will look better for me. I'm, you know, I'm bringing in a deal right away. I'm like, dude, like, and regardless, just, you'll be just, taken care yeah, of. Yeah, I was like, regardless, you're going to be taken care of. It, you know, just, just, just hold on for a minute. So I think they waited two days or three days, and then on the third day, transferred over, got over there, everything like that. Bam, put in the deal, started writing up the papers. Yeah, I submitted the offer that night, got accepted, and I had a one under contract. Like yeah, the second day I was there, dude. That was so funny. I was just like, I was like, that's badass. Yeah, that's badass. No, it definitely felt good, and I think, and I think Peter, um, he he was definitely like, okay, this kid's gonna. He's, he's gonna legit. Day one, yeah, yeah, day one, yeah, like, yeah. This kid's gonna be solid. Yeah, and I think uh, the the other person that did that was Waz. Waz, um, Kyle did that too. Oh, was he a day one too? Yeah, he th- th- when he went in the first day, he I think he closed one too. Damn. So we were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was good. So, all right, so you're at Realty One, and obviously the culture's different. Oh, dude, the culture's crazy different. So when I just went in for the interview alone, I was sold from the minute I got in there because it was like, it was like, like before I used to say that about like Coldwell, but I didn't really know what like a family, a business family should look like. And I like, we like to call uh, Rebecca and Pete like mom and pop because like they- I see that all on everyone's stories. They really are, bro. They really are. They're like, you know, I think they have kids of their own, so it's really easy for them to- to deal with all the youngins <laughs> yeah right <laughs> there's a lot of us um but like the upstairs is literally just like like a little bit of a they call us like the like the frat house of like yeah the, yeah you guys are the, the frats of real estate yeah, absolutely and everyone was always saying that about us and it's kind of like true we have like all 
all the younger guy agents upstairs because they want to keep them like the the older people kind of like a little bit more quiet and stuff yeah yeah they but Pete loves being he loves our energy i think we keep him young so he he sits up there and he listens to rap music and stuff with us he oh really it. oh pete's like that's funny loves rap so he just you know we'll go up there when i when i go up and i hear like like dr dre or whatever, i just know pete's in there <laughs> i'm like yeah, yeah. All right. um you had a fully stocked fridge of IPAs too. Yeah, I see that. So that's the other thing. So then, like, we're we're sponsored by Pipe, uh, Pipe Dream, freaking. Uh, there's pool table, mini golf. Like, you could stay in that office. Oh, there's a Pac-Man machine, bro. You could stay in that office all day and not get bored. Dude, I don't know how you guys get like any work done there. Dude, we just literally sit around, drink Celsius's. Drink mad caffeine. Just get wired and then just, just like look over at each other. We're just literally just going. We all enter a flow state where it's just music playing and we're none of us are talking to each other and we're all just working. And then all of a sudden one of us will be like, hey, look at this. And then like we all just fuck, fuck around for like 10 minutes straight and then we go back to work. So it's just like I think we all – we have the right bounce and group of kids in there where we're all, we're all chasing the same thing. We're all um, – task oriented people so we're very we we can go in there and not like just like like no one wants to go in there and just sit around like if they're we're there we're there for a reason and we know that so we do that but then it's like also like when when you have like a deal that blows up in your face and you just you're you want to go punch the wall outside instead you can go over and grab a beer and just talk to your homies and you know what i'm saying yeah shotgun something yeah it feels like a lot like it's a lot more just like relaxing like it's like an environment he makes such a relaxing environment that's also very high energy so you can excel very quickly because you're you're relaxed you're thinking straight but you're on task you know what i'm saying and like everything in there it's like okay if you have some time to pass you know go play ping pong go you know hang out around the office but you know that person has stuff to do too so it's like right. you can only hang out and talk with them for so long before well, they're it, like, it, yeah. I need to get back to work, bro. And you're like, I It's I like got a brotherhood. It's like a brotherhood there. So it's like we all know what our job is. We all have something to do. And as long as we get it done before walking out that door, we're happy. You know? Yeah. And that's what's so that's what I like about it is you know, it's and and I hit I hit like I hit the the boys up like for random stuff too, like Freaking! I have Josh's location. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And like, like we all have each other's locations and stuff. And like, like if I'm like, if I have like, I'm going through like a rough time or something, you know, I'll hit him up and and you know, but hey man, I'm not, not coming in I'm, or this and this is going on. But it's like it's like not there's not that weird pressure where I felt like in Coldwell it was like you were always being reprimanded or you were afraid. It was like a fear. It was a fear complex Yeah, right. where you had to work. Otherwise, like you're going to get like reprimanded where this is like work because we want you to be the best you you can be. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, and we want you to excel and we want you to thrive, really, really thrive. And right. then they'll tell you straight up too. Like they're, that's what I mean. Like you, that's like the mom and t- pop complex is like, they'll sit you down and be like, you messed up here really bad but we want to help you make this better and then make help you like help you learn how to never make this mistake again. Right. And that's, and I mean, I just had something really big kind of blow up in my face a few, um, uh, with, with a client, um, having to do with like escrow releases and stuff. Oh, I almost got brought into litigation. It was just uh, messy. And I thought I was going to get my head ripped off when I walked in there. Yeah. Right. Even though I knew I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't necessarily do anything wrong. 
Like it was just all like one of the people I was working with dropped the ball. Um, right, but I it's your I target. You're the target. Yep. Um, but I was like, when I walked in, I was like, oh, I'm going to get blamed for everything because I'm the youngest one and they're just going to, all the older cats are going to blame everything on me and he's just going to reprimand the hell out of me. I got in there and he's like, no case. Like I, you know, I looked at the full situation and I think, I think he did drop the ball on you, but I think there's ways that you could have maneuvered this a lot better without anything like blowback happening. He was like, you could have like done, like maneuvered this situation a lot better. And he was like, and we want to teach you how to do that, you know? So he's like, I want you to start coming into your classes more. Like, and that was like all the conversation. He was just like, okay, like you, you gave me your word. You're going to start coming in. You're going to start learning more. All right. I don't have to worry about you. He's like, stick with us, buddy. And we'll teach you everything you need to know. And that's great. And that, that's exactly like what you need. You can't it's go like, to a Colwell and, and just, yeah, it's like, or not even like, not even burn them it's out. Like firm, it's firm, but it's very like. It's like we're here, bro. Like right. we got you, but it's like firm. You know? Right. And if you have if you have questions, it's not just him that you can ask. It's, it's anyone in the office. Everyone and it's nice to feel like you have like a brother there to talk to, not just somebody that's over you talking to you. So what are the um what are the other agents that are on the first floor thing? Cuz you guys must be like hella loud at some time at some points like I don't know. We kind of we, we keep we're respectful. You know, okay. that's what Pete says. He's just like be respectful of them. Um yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I was gonna say like it's like a frat house upstairs yeah, and the downstairs like, it's like jazz. Like, it's like we all like know we, like I don't know. It's like it's almost like two clicks. Oh yeah, but, it, but it's not clicky though. You know, like they can come up and hang out with us, but they just wouldn't want to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's like okay, um, but that's just I think certain people work better in certain environments and i think they've like noticed that okay younger people are going to work better around younger people and in, in this type of environment pete's office is right here and keeps his door open so we can't goof around that much right just not like, that's by design just by design yeah. literally like we can't like go crazy because like he's his office is right there we do have some sort of accountability um we're also like, like adults at the at the same time. Yeah, like, and you're we're not all a, adults. We're not yeah. like high school kids, so it's not where I try to throw a party in my freaking firm. <laughs> but um, <laughs> like peeing in the corner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but but he does. He keeps it. He keep, he runs a tight ship, and um, but there's also times to just fool around and just pass time and do that. Yeah. And he tries to make it so it's an, as enjoyable. It's so, he tries to make it as enjoyable as possible to be in the office so that you want to be in the office more and right. you make more money. And so I was actually listening to a podcast today. It was, you know, Simon Sinek yes. and Steve Bartlett. Yeah. And so they were doing a podcast together and Steve Bartlett was talking about what he does to create like a, like a, a, a culture at his workplace that is like, I've never listened to somebody who focuses more on creating culture over everything else yeah and dude. there's a reason why You're he's a product of your environment absolutely absolutely and he's early 30s or might only be 30 had multiple companies go public i think he, he one of his companies he sold at a quarter billion dollar valuation one of them yeah it's, it's like you know and this guy's 30 yeah so <laughs> like holy it and what he talks about is that Obviously, you can't get to a quarter billion dollar valuation on your own. So it takes a team. And the only way that you get to that point with a team, because no one in the company is going to work harder than you do at your own goal, is to create the culture. And all, where all of us have the same goal. Where all of us have the same. And that's the thing. So 
it, like there are so many intricate details. I actually suggest you listen to it because you'll probably oh, resonate with it Definitely a lot just just with the culture. Me. I'll send it over to you because it's it. He just goes so far into depth with all the different things that he does. He and said it, actually one thing that he did at Christmas time last year. He went into his diary of a CEO company mm-hmm. uh, bank account. He's thirty employees. He took twenty percent of that bank account and gave people bonuses. He said most people got a bonus at Christmas time that was more than their salary, and his assistant was able to pay off her mortgage. That's sick. You know See, what I mean? With twenty percent of the do, bank bro. too, and and th- that's why you I create. I also believe in though that, like I I believe like I love that I love that story because like I that that lines up with like, even like my beliefs on how the world works. Bro. Mm-hmm. Like you sow what you reap. Yep. You know, and it's like if you if you value someone and you show them that you value them and they have potential, then that potential will grow because they'll say, okay, no, he like somebody like the best way to make someone feel loved is like to see them and understand them. Just to love them. Yeah. And and but like to make them feel loved is like being seen and understood. Oh, to, okay, yeah. You know, and like those two things, like if you like show someone that like you see their potential and you understand like and you put them in the right piece you know of the puzzle and you put them in a place that they're going to thrive and then you show them that they have potential and that you understand what their um strengths are you know and you put them in a you put the kid you know you put the linebacker in the right position He's going to thrive heavily because he's like, no, I, I'm being I, like, I'm getting recognition for what I'm doing and I'm, and I'm getting more confident and I'm becoming better and growing because I'm doing it well. Right. You know, it's like setting your child up for success versus sticking, you know, he's, he's a little pipsqueak and you haven't played fullback. He's going to get hammered and then want right. to, and then, and then want to like quit. The right. Game. Yeah. Yeah. You know exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It, 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 it's a, it's a mix of that and a million other things, putting people in the spots where they're going to thrive the best, but also letting them go in the spots where they want to be. Exactly. You know, Cause sometimes exactly. you got to let people that's learn part of understanding people too, mm-hmm. is like understanding like, like, okay, why do you want to do this? You know, right. Like what, what is your reasoning? Is it because you're, you're good at that? Or is it because, you know, you, I don't know, you have some aspiration of, you know, and that's where you want. Right. Or be. do you just need to learn that this and, isn't what you want? Yeah. And I'm going to put you in this position now. And because I know that you're worth it, I know that you're, I know what you're capable of. Like take, for instance, somebody who is not salesy at all. They're completely analytical. Like, honestly, I'm a good example of it. Very melancholy. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a good example of it. I'm not great with sales. I'm not great in sales. And I recognize that. You're you're like a really straight shooter. That's what saves you. Yeah. You're extremely, when it comes to communication, you're like crystal clear. I'm I'm clear and I'm blunt and yeah. I'm, yeah I'm straight up with people so that does help but in terms of and just, you have you you know you have you have confidence and like balls to go up and talk to people you're yeah you're not you're not like like um that's actually very unique about you because people that are normally analytical and melancholy tend to shy away from people and you don't do that at all no you're well, just a very straight shooter yeah and yeah I mean I I I'm a no bullshit direct. type of person yeah. and no like I don't. Like, no bullshit, no time for games. But I had myself convinced in high school that I wanted to be a realtor full-time. I'm like, Mm. this is what I want. I mean, I knew I wanted to invest as well. But my real goal was I want to get my real estate license. I want to be top-producing realtor. I get in and, like, I'm 
not that I couldn't have become a salesperson, but I'm like, this is not natural to me. Yeah. Every time, every time I'm on MLS, especially if I was looking for multifamily clients, you're like, I, I have my I own spreadsheets. Yeah, I have my yeah, own yeah, spreadsheets yeah. running the numbers for myself. And I'm like, oh, wait, I talk, talk to my stepdad. And I just like run hypotheticals. And I'm like, this is where I want to be. And so I think recognizing, like, like you said, it took me learning that yep. and people around me allowing me to, to jump into sales and recognizing that. Like, maybe I don't want to do this. Maybe I don't want to do this. Go, or maybe I want to kind of do this, but go a different route. You and know? I think and a lot of people knew that about me and I didn't. I think a lot of people knew that I wasn't going to thrive in sales mm-hmm. as much as I would on the investment side. And like you said, I mean, I'm more than capable. Like if I had to turn on my my salesiness, if you will, yeah, like yeah, I yeah. could. It's just I don't know. I, I like I like being behind the scenes. I like, you know, I like being I like buying a house and then posting it. That, yeah. that, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think like, everyone likes well, 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 you know what I mean, though? Like, like no. not the process. Like, no, not under agreement. Like, oh, yeah, by the way, bought this. Yeah, You know exactly. what I mean? Like, totally behind the scenes and then pop out at the last minute. Yeah. And well, that's just me, what I saw. Which is what I saw with your other thing. I was like, dude, like, which is why I want to get you and Ivan in the same room and connecting a little bit more. Because he's strictly investor. He's never even been a realtor. Oh, really? Yeah. He would eat it wholesale off market. And then that's, yeah. And then it was, it was Axel's operation, real estate yeah. operations manager. And so he ran a ton of numbers and stuff like that. And, um, and then he moved into a few, he had been in a few, um, Condexes and lived in them. So he started understanding how they worked and everything like yeah. that, ins and outs of that. And he got really familiar with that and just, you know, being around Axel, obviously he did like tons of multifamilies and everything like ran comparative market analysis for them and everything like that. And he was just able to really see how things work and the steps to, you know, doing it. He's, he's a very smart guy. Yeah. Like, right. Don't get me wrong. Like, most people can't figure this stuff out by themselves. Right. But he did. And he re- reads thousands of books and stuff. Um, but that's his bread and butter too. Like your niche of like condexes and stuff like that and flipping. Like that's he I'm flip I'm in the middle of I just closed today actually on um a condex that we bought for him. I think you were looking at it. The dairy one. Yeah, the dairy yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. We just closed on that. Oh, today. good for you. Good yeah. for you. Nice. So I'm super psyched about that. But now we have to make his money back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now, now it's, it's prime time. Yeah. But um but I just like was thinking about you the whole time and I was like, man, I, I want them to get like, I want to get them together on a podcast so bad because I think it would be so cool because it's like Condexes are your bread and butter, you know, con- and then Condexes are his bread and butter. So and Condex always- is like he buys the unit or he buys the duplex and then Condex is it? Either one. I was going to say, because if he's like that, he's then he's good with, I mean, he's good with both, but he, but they're, they're easy because they're. You know, they're you can start off with them. They're like, yep. You know, two two fifty to three hundred k. Yeah, right. And then you know you, you get it, and then after you buy it, it's like it's quick. Usually, it's like new carpet, paint on the walls. You know, you might have to touch up a few finish, fin- do some finish work, and then yeah, you're ready to sell uh, it. Well, and I then think you sell it for one hundred fifty k more. Or right. Well, like I think it, you know? I think your most your biggest pool of buyers. 
is a is, is a like, Klondex. Yeah, and I, and because they're all first home buyers, and, yep. and now and they don't want those like, little garden style condos. They want like single family type like, living, that's like a single but single family, family attached, house. where yeah. they don't have to deal with exterior type stuff. They only have to. De- I mean, the duplexes are tough. Usually, it's they do have to deal with exterior stuff, but you know, take like a. Um, Whalen actually, he just looked at that 14 unit. Yeah. Actually, I was looking at that. Really? I wanted to buy that thing. Dude. Four and a half mil was a little yeah. steep. But um, you know what I mean? Like the row home developments. Yep. And like those those are single family attached living. Like that is that is as single family as it gets for a condo. Yep. And people and love those. People love them because what what used to be the price of a single family back then is basically the price of like a multifamily now. What used to be the price of a condex back then, it, I mean, by back then, I mean like, you know, a few years back. Yeah, not not back then, yeah, like no, 20 no, years ago. Like literally. Like back then, yeah. 20 years ago. I'm talking about like a few years back. Like, you know, what used to be the price of a single family back then is now the price of a condo. Right. So it's like, of course, like people don't have that money. So they're going and they don't have the money. They don't have 500, 600K for a single family. You know, right. So they're going to go for that condo. That's turnkey and, you know, 400K because it's around this right. something, three, 400K that they can actually afford. Yeah. And, you know, not to get off on a tangent here, but I, I always just add this in because from a builder's point of view, um, the these towns, these municipalities need to start allowing for higher density subdivisions. Oh, absolutely. And townhome higher density subdivisions because there is no way – that we're gonna that we're gonna it, service the amount of buyers, bro, and like I said, just, most of those buyers who are in the area looking for this limited inventory would buy a Condex. They would buy a row home, and it's and it's also just better for our economy in yeah, general. Dude. Absolutely, like it's high. It I understand it monopolizes everything, right? Well, you, businesses, small big businesses, small businesses, everything, dude, gets when you when you allow people to actually populize an area right well here's my thing too here's my thing too so like i said i want to get too far yeah yeah, yeah, but but if you take salem for instance right we have the tuscan village now Mm -hmm. i don't want to throw a specific number out there for how many housing units are in that 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 little village i would i would venture to say two thousand units Mm -hmm. between the big building hanover corsa the the true townhome, like duplex mm-hmm. style, those are going for like eight hundred grand. Oh, and dude, ridiculous! I, I drove by the other day. I went to Chick Fil A. <laughs> yeah, and I drove by, and I, I like, I was like, holy shit! Like these yeah. are all like wicked new. And then I, I like started. I, I like pulled over, parked the car real quick, walked up to the sign. And I look at the sign, and I'm like. <laughs> I was like, oh, I yeah. would not pay oh, yeah. to live in a townhouse. No, no, but I mean, that's my point. You have two, th- probably. I'm, I'm just saying, fifteen hundred to two thousand units packed into a hundred and fifty acres. Yeah. So, if you're conservation, you wouldn't you say, let me, let me put all this density in yeah, one in, in one area. In one Let's area, try to make the most out of this. right because Salem residency is only about thirty thirty five thousand. So you already. You already house, if your average house is three people, right? Some are single, some are like five people. If your average house is three people, that's 6,000 residents. So if you did six Tuscan village villages, that would take up, you know, a thousand acres or something. Mm-hmm. Not even. 800 acres? Dude, you could have all the rest of Salem wooded. 
But yeah. now, now you go out and you say, oh, you need to go, if you want to build a house, you need an acre size lot. We don't want high density. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. That's fine. And I understand for traffic purposes, there's reasons for it. So I'm not saying pack yeah. in 35,000 people into yeah. a little area. You don't want to make it a city. But my point is like, just allow for these higher density areas and leave the rest of it wooded. Be, you know what the problem is, is it's, it's the town's like traffic side and their, their um, like urban development side that fights with conservation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like conservation wants like sort of wants everything out and, and not not like split up. They want it split up, but they don't they want don't, they don't want it to have a city feel. They don't like want to have it right. They want it to they want it to be urban and in, in, in a way. Right. You know? and, and and you know, conservation doesn't and a want little you bit to... more, more I know I know Salem's trying to be like a little bit more uppity, like, you know, Tuscan right. village and everything like that. They're trying to they're trying to kind of control the environment right and and the culture the culture of this the the city or town exactly and like i said i'm not dogging on any of these municipalities because i understand what they're doing i just we need to start to adjust yes to what the market's asking for agree and that's and the market is asking for that it's screaming for it we have like what three weeks of condos condexes even rental properties are going through the roof right now Mm -hmm. because people cannot first-time home buyers cannot most of them cannot afford single families. And then even multi, some multifamilies are out of their reach just because of their scarcity, which drives right. them up in value. And then they can't buy those either. So a lot of the house hacking and stuff isn't working out numbers wise like they thought it was going to. Right. Because they're like, dude, I'm I'm still having to pay like a pretty fat mortgage. And it's like, well, dude, like the, you bought like one of the 21 – Multis on the market right now. Like, right. Yeah. Like, there's really not a lot, bro. So right. like you're gonna be paying for it, you know? And um and yeah, that's it now more than ever is, you know, I think I think it's gonna Condex is need they, they need to start opening up the regulations and stuff to let that happen and, and, and let you know, let those be developed. I completely um, agree. Yeah. And not only that, like I think people people have such a bad impression of um, investors and stuff coming in and buying distressed houses off people and um, you, you know they they look at it as like taking advantage of people when they're in bad positions and it's like right. no we you, you can't look at it like that we are appreciating the property and we're literally rehabbing your neighborhoods for you right we're going in and we're like yeah it'd be different if we were just wholesaling and we're just going in flipping a contract and getting money off the contract no and selling it for five grand more or something like no we're not being scumbags we're literally going in and we are completely renovating these places making them safe and livable for people and then offering you know i'm saying a, a better, better livelihood, better living for these people. Right. And I don't think it gets looked at like that. I get, I think it gets a, catches a bad rap. Like, a, like a, you, you, Ivan, a lot of people like are like, oh, like these guys want to come in and you know, like take advantage of this person. It's like, no, that's not how. That's not our initiative. You know, our initiative right. is to help people afford, like, help people get affordable housing at a good cost without having to move into a dump. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right, exactly. And we're literally appreciating everyone's value of their properties because our property, you know, property is getting better. Yeah, no, the demonization of investors. No, absolutely not. The demonization of investors has been going on for a long time now. Yeah. And it's like, like, how do you expect? Because then you turn around and say, oh, there's not enough housing because the investors are buying it all up. It's like, no, 
no investor wants to go to your your municipality <laughs> because of your regulations. So it can't be. So it's you dropping the ball and not allowing investors to come in. Yeah. The, the reality is investors, like I have yet to meet an investor at the, the groups that we go to, the meetings that we go to, that like hate tenants. Yeah. That hate people. Like they, no, every single investor I meet, they want to make money, but they want the quality of their product to be high. They want, they want to... They want to do something more than themselves, even the big ones. Like, like I met yeah, the like, um the um one of, one of the owners, one of the partners in Elm Grove Properties. I mean, they're a monster. Yeah, they're, they, they're they, big. They own thousands of units. They're huge, dude. One of the nicest guys wants to make sure that all his tenants are taken care of. Like everyone is taken care of. It's like investors are not the kinds of people you think they are. No, a lot mo- of them. Most of, time, most of them are down very earth, good people. They're down to earth people, and they got to where they're at because they know how to talk to people mm-hmm. and they know they know what people want and they find solutions. They're solution yeah. finders. We're in, we're in a market where a bad quality product does not it's, make it's it. It's not going to sell. It doesn't it's make it. It's not going to do anything. So there's, there is truly incentive. And this isn't just real estate specifically. And, there's and incentive the to give com- good quality products. People are complaining, dude, most of the time. They're, they're not investors. They're, they're not in the position to buy their new the house at all or probably ever they don't have any plan for their life right nothing like that dude it's it's the people that usually complain are complainers and right they do that with every problem in their life you know yeah there's a problem that comes up they don't want to solve it they complain you know yep they, they make excuses and do that and then they're just going to keep talking trash and that's what they do so it's like let the haters hate yep and we'll make money exactly <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll make it as, as long as people hate investors and don't want to be them it's more <laughs> yeah. room for me to more, thrive right exactly exactly so um all right switching gears a little bit man um so you know we kind of went over you transitioning and the, the kind of brotherhood that you have over there what was something that you learned from the transition and the culture that you can equate to your life not business wise hmm. so like a true life skill um create not being afraid to stick up for myself in times that i thought i should have um you know, I I think back a few times, and I'm like, man, I could have I could have saved myself a lot of heartache if I would have just stuff for myself and created healthy boundaries early on. I think a lot of times in my life, I had b- before getting into this industry and stuff, I had a really hard time creating healthy boundaries with people. Yeah, and saying no, like I'm going to respect myself because I respect myself. Um, and I let other people drag me down onto their level because I didn't have respect for myself and um or not not drag me down like not not like not get not in a bad way like more more so like their energy you know like getting dragged down to their energy because i didn't have respect for myself to be like no i'm not that's not me bro right you know yeah and instead it was like come came from like a people pleasing and everything like that um type of attitude and Honestly, the more and more I've been in real estate, the more and more that's just getting like shedded off of me almost. Right. Because you can't, you can't be a people pleaser because nope. nobody, bro, not everyone's going to like you. <laughs> no. And that's and, one and of the things I've learned. One, is like, most, I mean, it's nice to think that if everyone, everyone wins like in a deal. You, yeah. Then there's a problem. Well, it's nice to think that everybody wins in a deal 
but but they don't. It, they don't. It not, there's it, always it, someone with the upper hand. There's always someone there's with the upper hand. So there's always someone to disappoint, and there's always someone to be blunt with. Like yep. like, and, and I think that it's cool too. Like I really, really love the idea of fiduciary responsibilities. Yeah, and we need them. <laughs> we we need them. And but the reason is because it, it puts you under pressure. It says, okay, whoever this agent is on the other end of this transaction is fucking around right now. And I don't want to call them out, or I don't want to set this set yeah, the I don't tone. Want to I don't want to set them straight. I don't want to do this right. But then again, you're like, oh wait. At the end of the day, fiduciary responsibility. It's quite literally, <laughs> it's literally like, on paper. like illegal if I don't do something <laughs> in, so in the name of my something. client. So I have to say something. And you know, the idea of fiduciary responsibilities. I think for me too, like like it's been similar, right? And and. But I kind of, I expanded, I extrapolated out a little bit further than just learning how to stick up to myself. I owe myself fiduciary responsibilities. Amen. I love you that. You know what I mean? And I like love that. that really, that I that's, think. That's kind of the point where I came to yeah. it is I was like, like it got to the point where I was like, you know what? Like, like I owe myself more than I owe anyone else. Right. And it was like, like I'm going to, I'm going to take what's mine. You know, yep. and I'm going to keep moving forward and I'm going to tell people like, if I know I'm in the right and they're in the wrong and they want to yank my chain and everything, I'm going to tell them straightforward, like, like cut the shit. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm, like we're not going to do it that way. We're going to do it this way. And I, I have, you know, cause at the end of the day, you control the outcome of your life, you know? Right. And you control the outcome of your client's transaction. Yep. You know what I'm saying? I mean, obviously, if something like if he drops, if your client, you can't drop, you can't control somebody else dropping the ball, but you can make damn sure that if they drop the ball, you're going to catch the fumble and you're going to recover it. You know what I'm saying? And there's always a way to think 10 steps ahead, have a backup plan, everything like that to make sure you don't get screwed over in the process. And that's something I had to learn is take responsibility for when other people screwed me. And right, I stopped pointing right, the right. finger saying, oh, he screwed me, he screwed me, he screwed me. It's like, yeah, they might have dropped the ball, but, bro, like, I wasn't in the right position because I should have been right behind them ready to pick it up. Right, you yeah. Know, I should have put that contingency in the plan to give them another out instead of having somebody else have, you know, it depending on someone else. You know, like, things like that. Like, I, I need to put these contingencies in. I need to word my stuff differently. But always make sure that you're in the driver's seat of your own life. Mm-hmm. So that other people, even if they mess up, it doesn't affect you directly. Right. And I think that that helps too because- Or your client. Right. Well, well, I think, you know, in life in general, if you have a fiduciary responsibility to somebody or not, it's important that regardless, you set the personal tone with whoever, not, well, yes, with whoever who you're representing, but whoever it is that is on the other side of a transaction that you're representing. Right. So it's like- you call up the agent and you know, you don't like rip them. You, you don't, you don't like set the tone. Like this is how things are going to go, mm-hmm. but you know, you make it known that this is how you operate me as an agent. And as a human being, I operate like X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And I, and you know, it's, you, you don't want to be seen as someone who is like, like my way or the highway, you know, it's all about negotiating. Yeah. But you have to have respect for your client and your client comes first. Well, I don't even mean and, like in a, in a oh, nasty I, way. I mean, just, like, like you call the agent and you just say like, you can even 
say it in like a good way. Like, listen, this is how I operate. I do things quickly and diligently. Yeah, like, like, and like, it, those are good your things. Word, be, be a man, man of, of your word. Honor, yeah, exactly. You know? And like, exactly. those things matter. And like, you know, I don't, some people don't, might not, some people might not value those things, I think, as highly as I do. But being a man of my word and being a man of honor to me is, you know, is a pretty big deal. And yeah. if I can't make that happen, then, you know, shame on me. Absolutely. And, um, we don't, by the way, how we I don't have enough shame in this world. I'm just yeah, going to put it they, out there. No, we, we don't. We, we, we need, we need, we need more shame. We need bro, more shame. Because people are getting told that, you know, like, like that depression and all this stuff is like, like, oh no, like just be happy. Like you're a piece of shit, bro. But just yeah. be happy with yourself. It's like, no, like you yeah. should feel ashamed that you're a piece of shit. Who was it? Change. It was, I was listening to Jordan Peterson the other day and he said something along those lines. It was like, um, be ha- like when you get the advice when you're like 20 years old, um, just be happy with where you're at right now. And I forget who the podcast it was with. It was an old, actually, it was an old Joe Rogan podcast with with Jordan Peterson. And I don't listen to a ton of Rogan, but I, I listened to it because Peterson was on. And he was talking. He was he was talking about how you know that's a that's a common theme. You so, oh you know you, you you're doing so great. You're you're young. Like just be happy with where, where you're at at this age. He's like, no, you should not be happy with where you're at. You, it, it shouldn't take over your life, the fact that you're not further ahead, but you sh- certainly shouldn't feel happy no, with it. it. You should feel, not even shame, complacency but complacency. So quickly. And complacency in most, and I, I would say, I don't want to say most people, but I would say a good chunk of people leads to depression is complacency. Oh, absolutely. And that's why they have those challenges now where it's like, do what you don't want to do. Yeah. Like go go for runs in the like freaking snow and jump and yeah, take all these crazy ice baths and everything like that. Listen, like I think some of that's a little over over overkill. No, but, but sometimes it's necessary just it's to necessary kick your ass to into kick gear. Ass even if even gear. if it's so dumb, it's like oh, an ice bath. It's like it's not the ice bath. No, it's the discipline. No, and, it's and the I, discipline. And listen exactly. to this too. And I'm not by no means. I'm I'm empathetic towards people who struggle with any kinds of depression. But what I will say is. Ask somebody who is depressed to get up and go to the gym. The first no, thing that they're going to the say is that I have I no motivation. I, or I don't feel like it. I don't yeah. feel like it or I don't have any motivation. That is when you know society has failed that person because they have taught them that motivation is more important than discipline. Or feel, or or that or that you're supposed to go with things based on how you feel all the time. Well, and, and motivation and, is a feeling. Yeah, what I well, argue what is saying. that is that if you, if we as a society taught people, we're supposed to discipline our thoughts. So then, because your thoughts control your emotions, right? So you take your cat your thoughts captive. And you learn to say, okay, I'm not going to be a slave to my thoughts. My, I'm in control of my thoughts. Right. You know, and then, and then you also have to watch what you're intaking on a daily basis. What, what are you feeding yourself? You know, are you watching, are you watching things that are just going to make you feel like shit? Or are you watching, are you listening to music that's going to make you feel like shit? Right. You know, like all these things affect you. We're literally, we're like sponges and we just pick up our surroundings yeah. and what we put in front of our face. So it's like, have the respect to fill yourself with knowledge, to learn things, to explore things. You know, a devil, what is it? Idle hands are devil's advocate. You know, you will always be depressed and stuff when your hands are idle and you're, com- and, and then you grow into a space where you're complacent mm-hmm. with being unhappy. Right. You're miserable, dude. Because complacency is not a bad thing 
if it's complacent because because some people are perfectly fine with being at a certain spot in their life like they there are some people and i made a video about this because you know there, there's a nuance to this there are some people who are truly okay with being at you know say a hundred thousand dollars a year like that that that's their goal they want to hit that and they're they're completely okay with staying there mm-hmm. and that's a goal that's a goal for them right that that's that's a fiscal goal but call it just a capped goal mm. i made a video i i don't know if you saw it it was about not it was about creating um like not unattainable goals i forget how i worded it um but it was create goals that essentially have no end right so mm-hmm. so more like missions yeah and this is something that I'm, I'm planning on asking you what's one of yours but you know i think take for instance a real estate business an investing business if i want to hit if, if i'm like working day in and day out to hit a million dollars a year and i hit that million dollars a year where do i go from there now number one i can i can keep going right i could create a new goal for myself but if I was focusing so much on that million dollars a year, I took myself away from the light at the end of the tunnel. I I shined a light much closer than it should have been. Mm-hmm. And so I hit that point and there's nowhere else to go. For a lot of people, I think they hit a certain point and they weren't complacent individuals, but it's because they set a goal that would put themselves in a complacency situation. So my, my philosophy has always been to create um, I, I, I cannot remember how I worded it in the video, but it's essentially goals that you, you can never actually immeasurable goals, immeasurable so, goals. That's my philosophy. Funny story. Yeah. Immeasurable goals. So funny, like little thing about that is I actually, so I, I watched this thing, right? It was a, um, it was an Oscar speech done by, uh, Matthew McConaughey. And yep. I love Matthew McConaughey and he said, uh, somebody asked me 10 years ago, or uh, somebody asked me 30 years ago, uh, what kind of, you know, what does success look like to you? And, and, and what kind of man, um, and, and what kind of person do you want to be? And he said, well, uh, oh, who's your, who's your biggest role model was the question. And he said, um, that's hard. He said, uh, I'd have to say me in 10 years. And then that same person came back to him 10 years later and asked him, and he said, so are you your biggest role model? Like, then like, you know, like, congrats, blah, blah, blah. And he said, uh, oh, no, 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 no. 10 years. It has to be 10 more years. Yeah. And he just kept adding 10 years on it until yeah. finally he said, you know, I don't think I'll ever be my role model, but at least I'll always have something to chase after. It, that, that's, that's perfectly put to captivate exactly the message I was trying to, to get across, right? It's like, the 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 companies with the missions because an immeasurable an, an goal is essentially a mission right mm-hmm. it's it's like you know i, I mean i yeah because you can you can even measure ridiculous numbers yeah. so it's it's it has to be a mission it, it has, has to be to, something you just where have to have some sort of layout and even but, if but you're something that short bro and even if it's unattainable you're going to pass way further than the kid that that's that's goal was to lift sits even lifting weights right right if if some kid's trying to lift five trying to deadlift 700 pounds versus or 800 pounds versus you know i 
different show. There's a show basically where the kid's father is the strongest man on the planet. And everyone in the show is trying to be the strongest man. And then his son, the son of the strongest man, is he ends up being a prodigy because he basically his vendetta is because his dad killed his mom. So his vendetta is against his father. Long story short, they said, um, you know, why are you so great at fighting? Why are you this? Why are you that? Because I know that you want to be the strongest man like me. And he said, no, I don't want to be the strongest man. See, you and me have very different intentions. He said, I just want to be stronger than my father. And he said, and he just happens to be the strongest man in the world. Damn. So, like, it was, like, completely different because yeah. it took – it's everyone else was fighting to be the strongest man. And Baki, is the, kid, the person's name in it, is going way further than all of them and is way more powerful than all of them and growing and everything – and becoming way more skilled than all of them and more, way more powerful in such a short period of time. They're like, how is he doing this? And it's because his intention and his heart behind it was way different than theirs. Theirs was yeah. literally ego and trying to be the strongest man. He said, if my dad was as strong as a grasshopper, I would have no problem if I was able to beat him. Yeah. Like right. I would, I would say scrawny, like, you know what I'm saying? He's like, I wouldn't care. He was like, but he just happens to be the strongest man in the world. Right. <laughs> so therefore I must be stronger than him. Than him. Yeah. And I, I, I love it. You know what I mean? Like I just, the idea of creating that as your number one goal means that there is no risk of complacency or satisfaction. That's number one. Mm -hmm. And that, that, that kills people. So there's no risk for complacency. You never actually, you never actually hit a goal, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like, so if, if your goal is to just provide the best service possible at, and, or best product possible at an affordable price, a very, a very simple mission, but you, you can feel confident that each and every day you're reaching that goal, but there is no end to the goal, right? Because it's like, okay, then this next client. So it starts yep. over again and it starts over again and it starts over again. So the idea is that it's what keeps you going every day. Yep. And, and so that's really, and so I ask you, what's your immeasurable goal? I want to be able to always be and give out of a place of abundance. Um, and I know that sounds very basic, but I have, I have goals within that, you know, like, um, and I have a plan on how I want to get there. So like, I want to, I'm going to be doing this for a while, this real estate thing and, um, be the best agent I can be. And then when I get enough money, I'm going to invest and start doing Airbnb just like my father did and create Airbnbs. And then I want to do a bread and breakfast. And then I also want to do eventually a casino probably invest in a smoking lounge um, and start getting into restaurants and stuff because hospitality is my real passion. Okay. Yeah. Like I like love, I, I that's what I mean by giving from a place of abundance. I want to be able to create an ambiance for people, create hospitality for people. And that's like where my real passion lies. And I think that's why it kind of integrates into selling homes. That's why I'm able to sell homes is because yeah. I like, I've always wanted a, I've always wanted to help people find a place where they fit in and feel welcome. 
Yeah. And that was like, I think that comes from like, you know, being homeschooled as a kid and having speech impediment and being overweight and not having any friends and all that stuff. Like I wanted that more than anything, a place where I felt welcome and I felt like I could fit in and I had to become that for myself. And in a way I, when I see that in other, like not that, not that in other people, but when I see when I'm like, okay, this person's not comfortable in this aspect of their life. I want to help them solve that and help them change that. Let me ask or you something. Or even if it's for a night, even if it's for a night and they just go in and they gamble or whatever, and yeah. <laughs> their sorrows away, at least they're not thinking about their problem for that one little instance in time. Let me ask you something. And I will cut this out if you don't want it out there. Mm-hmm. But do you think that when you got caught up with the wrong people, mm-hmm. Do you think it was a matter of you wanting to fit in or you wanting them to fit in? Them. Them. I think it was a little of both, but I think primarily them. I want. I felt like I could. Uh, I had something to heal them in a way until I found out that um, it was kind of like, you know, don't save her. She don't, she don't want to be saved. type of those deals and um i think i started realizing these people wanted to be saved they would be doing more for themselves and that was probably the most disheartening thing that i've had to really swallow and it's happened and it's happened you're you're hopeless and and trying to help somebody else yeah and when you feel that way it sucks because then you've realized that you've actually lost like footing and traction on your own like Sometimes you're not as established as you think. <laughs> that that's the truth. And you yeah. think you can help someone up on that little raft after the ship crashes, and it's like Titanic. You know, like he, he thinks he can get up on that piece of wood with her, and then he realizes, I just killed myself because I had to save her. Yeah, right. <laughs> and you, you he had to switch places and put her body on the raft instead of his because if they were both on it, it would have just sank. Right. So it's like. I had to realize it was like me or them. And I was like, okay, I'm cutting them off. Right. And it's, yeah. And I feel like that happens and that's necessary multiple times in your life. You have to take a step back and think, what am I actually benefiting from this relationship in my life? Yeah, you got to audit your life. And can I save them? Because it's different if you can save them. I think that you deserve it to... I don't think you death. I don't think you deserve it to them, but you sow what you reap. And I think if you really try to help people and you go out of your way and you do try to be that light, then maybe just maybe down the road they'll be that light for someone else. And that's how the world pay it, becomes pay it forward, pay it forward pay it type forward. of deal. Absolutely. But you also have to have self respect, enough self worth to say, no, I have respect for myself and. I'm in a good spot right now. And I, that's what I mean, give from place of abundance. I feel like if you have all that abundance, you're able to help a lot more people. Right. Whereas if you don't have anything and you're trying to help all these people, you're just going to be a loser just like they are, bro. Because right. you don't have that foundation. Right. You think you're established and you're not. It, 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 it's like the analogy that people talk about on the planes. When the masks drop, you put yours on first. Literally. And, literally. And, and, and that... Absolutely. And that is a reflection of being fully established. Yeah. Right? Like, like, there's a reason that we suggest that, for instance, drug addicts go to a 
like a rehab facility with licensed psychiatrists and psychologists because yep. they are established. Yep, not hang out with their buddies and sit around in a circle, man. Oh man, I really wish we weren't addicted to drugs. Right. Well, that or it's like or or, or it's like like good people in, in their or life. Or even good people who but, aren't able to help and then them because you know what just, happens to those good people? They become bad people because they get taken advantage of right. by the bad people. Right, exactly. And it's not even necessarily the drug addict's fault. It's just that they're, they want to manipulate to get what they want. And they don't even really, they're so naive and so deceived by this thing that's bringing them instant gratification that they, that they don't realize that they're actually stepping on a good man's toes. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Who's trying to help them. And then they're, at the end of the day, they're like, I mean, I don't know who knows what they think. I, well, I've been there, but I came out. So now I look right. back at it and I'm like, I was freaking retarded. And I'm like, right. I can't even relate well, with well, that because mentality. I, I'm like, Dude. And, you know, I don't, I, I haven't been there personally, but if I imagine it, I would imagine it to be like, they view whoever's trying to help them as a roadblock. Yeah. Not as a roadblock to get to their high. Like, to get to their high. But it's when people, like when people say. Inconvenient. Inconvenient, Almost. but when people say like it's it's the addict talking, I never knew what they meant because I've had I've had addicts in my life, and so I never understood what that meant. I, I was grew like up all around them. And my it, dad, my dad ran a re, basically a rehab center. Right? Yeah. You and, and if you want to talk about that, I'd love for you to talk about yeah. it in a, in a minute. But um, you know, I've spent enough time around them to understand and and hear, you know, the, the sober people in my life say like that's that's the addiction talking. And I never understood what that meant. I, it, Cause to me, it seems so, so confusing that there could be two personas. Yeah. Right. And, and, and sometimes one persona completely trumps another and it, that yeah. never made sense to me. And then you start to realize like, listen, you only realize it when you try to help the person and yeah. you realize that, okay, I know this person enough to know that them, themselves sober is, they're not Nothing they're like, not like yeah. this and they're not treating me the way that they're treating me now and i you can see and you, the and distinct you, yeah, difference you see, when you can the see two. the distinctions you can give them a little bit more grace but there right. does come a time where you you're like listen i'm not gonna let you you don't want to be helped well like that was the best thing my dad could have you know that was the best thing my dad could have done for me in my life there was i for when i was I told you this, I think once before, I've even spoken about it on a podcast. Um, from ages like 17 to 20, 19 or 20, I was like, you know, I was pretty bad at the drugs. Um, and I, I'm 23 now, so that gives you a little, you know, thing. A little time, timeline, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so when I, was, I think I was 19, yeah, I was 19 because I got married at 20, so... When I was 19, um, it was from like 16 to 19, maybe even 15. Um, I was like bad in the drugs, man. And I, everything became a manipulation tactic to get what I wanted. Um, people, girls, everything, man. And I, that I can understand it, where they come from, but 
the best thing my dad could have done for me, right? Because he tried to give me all this help and everything like that. Sent me to rehab. I came, you know, I came, day day rehab is like I went there for classes and then I'd come home and sleep and everything like that. And you know, I'd I'd finally get back on my feet and then I'd crash and then you know I'd, I'd go and pour up and then I'd you know drink some dirty sprayed or whatever and then I'd crash my car and then freaking. I one time I woke up I was on the I was on the way to Thanksgiving and I I look underneath my seat and I I pull out I just found a bottle of lean just chilling there and I'm like oh like shit like I know I had this left over all right it's here like it's here wasn't even thinking dude I'm driving chug the whole thing dude and it wasn't even I. It wasn't even I. Actually, it wasn't lean. What it was was it was a it was a Xanax, like a Hulk bar, oh, and I had God. thrown it into a Sprite and shook it up. But it sat there for so long that it was like, not even like uh like fizzy. Like it was right. like literally was flat, yeah. completely dissolved. So when I chugged that, it hit me so hard I blacked out. Next thing you know, my car is wrapped around a tree. When I mean wrapped, I mean the tree is in the middle of my hood and it's wrapped around like this and old ladies yelling at me, are you okay, son? Are you okay? And I look at her and I'm like, oh, I'm, f- I'm fucking fine. I'm, I'm fine. I, I stumble out of the car and she goes, I'm going to call the cops. I think I should call the cops. And I'm like, no, don't call the cops. I'm fine. I'm fine. And I turn around and look, and my car is literally bent around, <laughs> bent around this tree of the hood. And I and I look back and I'm and I like chuckled to myself. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, wow, that shit's fucked. But literally, the guy said, he said, if you would have, he he said, I have no idea how your airbags were off. He said, if your airbags were on, he said, your whole face would have been broken. Yeah, like literally, like your whole like like your nose, everything, like your face would have broke, dude. Like, and he was like. Because I didn't have my seatbelt on or anything. And I didn't get ejected. That Bro, it was like God was literally on that whole entire thing, like, just holding me. Like, I don't even know how I made it out. But they were like, dude, if he wasn't this, like, loose and, like, I don't know. like, And then they're looking at my eyes and stuff. And um, my dad goes, he looks at me. Uh, no, he, he was on the phone. And apparently I was calling my dad and I was talking to him. Cause I was on the way to Thanksgiving, and then when I crashed, he heard the crash. And since I was, he knew what road I was on, cause he knew I was coming from my house, forty-four, to that where he was living presently. So when I was driving, he was like, "Oh, I know that that's Cobbett's Pond Road," and right. he freaking hauled ass down there. Got there as I was checked out by the paramedics. And they looked in my eyes and they're like, yo, he's looped out of his mind. My dad's like, no, 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 no. Those are seizure meds. His eyes are always like wicked dilated because they are. But yeah. he was like, he was just like, case, get in the car, get in the car. And he kind of did that thing where like he was able to like just get me in the car and shut the door and be like, so sorry. You know, blah, blah, give him the Drive insurance. Away, or yeah. Drive away. And then he sat there silently and I was just sitting there looped out. And I remember he turned around and he said, dude my dad like never swears like never he's like very very he's very guarded you know like with his tongue and stuff and um 
just with his mouth. Like, like you won't hear anything bad about anyone else about him. Like, he is just very, he believes whatever you speak comes to fruition. You know what I'm saying? So he's like very, he's just a man of his word. Mm -hmm. What he says is how he feels. End of story. Right. Um, and he looked back and he said, you're fucking looped out. You're fucking looped out, Case. He said, I'm never fucking lying for you again. And he like, you could just see, like I heard it in his voice and everything. And his heart was broken, dude. And he was like, like you dis like this is the last time you disappoint me. And I moved out that night or that morning. I moved out that morning. And, um, yeah, and it was rough. And, um, I had to experience, I, I got, I bought a new car. It was a shit box. Um, another Honda Accord and it didn't have uh heat and it hit uh during the this is around the fall that this happened because it was thanksgiving and i went through the whole winter living in my car and it was below freezing one night and i hit him up and um and he sent me a list of homeless shelters and i went and stayed at a homeless shelter and um and then i you know i had a gun pulled and put put up to my head and other like just been through crazy yeah. stuff happened bro but basically end of the line i got really fed up with my own shit yeah. i got fed up with eating my own crap and i and i said you know i even then actually honestly i didn't get i didn't even get fed up after that i had to keep got like god literally kept kicking me down the stairs until he was like hey buddy like you got to learn how to walk up the stairs yeah, right. like and hold the railing, right. you know? And he was like, cause I'm just going to keep kicking you down cause you're not getting the, you're, you're not learning your lesson. Right. And then I think when I had my daughters, when I finally, it was like a veil was like ripped up, opened my eyes. And I was like, I haven't just been ungrateful, entitled, like all this stuff. Like I was in like I was bawling my eyes out in the car when I found out I was going to have a daughter. Cause I was like, you are the biggest piece of shit that could ever be and god has just blessed you with the most beautiful thing ever out of you know out of this and i was like and then the other thing i had was like this like fear like this fear gripped my heart and i was like i don't ever want my daughter to end up with a man like me and i all i could think about was my father and how like great of a man he was and i i just i just couldn't i i was like no i'm i'm like I said, I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I can't keep walking down this path. Like, I don't know where I'm supposed to go, what my destination was. And I think I still don't really completely have my destination figured out, but I have a lot better idea of it than I did in the past. And I know what type of man I want to be. And the reason how I got there was I asked, a, I had a mentor in my life and I was talking to him about how uh, my destination and my plan and how I couldn't figure that out. And he said, think about not what you want to be, not, you know, where you want to go and all that stuff, but think about what kind of man you want to be 10 years from now. And every decision you make, think, what would that man do? How would that man react to this situation? You know, because life is more about making the most out of the opportunities that are placed in front of you and reacting to certain things, yeah. to, react, to reacting to things, than it is about... Um, 
like honestly like if you're just a good steward of your relationships time money everything like that you will literally go so far compared to someone who has all these opportunities laid out in front of them and doesn't take advantage of any of them and is extremely irresponsible yeah you know and i think i think that's what regret does for people i think regret like every emotion has its place i think regret is a very important emotion to have. Oh, absolutely, it, it's like what I, it's 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 your example. So well, right, but it, it but but and that it's your was example. the lesson no. I learned, and that's I what would I mean. have never learned. In knowing lessons. knowing what regret is and feels like, depending on what you do and how you act, helps you avoid acting like that in the future. Yeah, no, and that's and that's what happened. And even times in my life, I've. Since then, I have I've stumbled and I've gone through some really personal, messy stuff, and I've haven't slipped back to the depths I was at before because I remember the pain I was in when the, and I and I look at and I look at certain things and I say that's not that's not the solution to my problem. Right. You know, I like Mike made me feel good in the moment, but that's not the solution. I've been down that path. I've been down that road. I've done every single drug underneath the sun. You know, besides heroin and meth. <laughs> good for you, I'm glad. Yeah. yeah. And I've learned that those aren't the answers, you know, and that they'll never be the answer. Right. And I've also hung out with people that do that kind of stuff, and I've seen that those aren't the type of people I want to be. Right. Those aren't the type of people I want to be around, and those aren't the type of people that I, I want to be like. Right. So frankly, why put yourself in that? Like I said before, you're a product from your, your environment. Why put yourself in an environment? And I think it's extremely, extremely important for a person to constantly analyze and check themselves for what environment they're placing themselves in. Because it's very easy to slip into different environments and let yourself go complacent. So you have to take literally take a step back every once in a while and reanalyze your life and your situation and say... Why are certain things happening and playing out the way that they are? And is there anything I can do to change things? Is there any distractions I can cut off that I've, you know, vines that I've let grow in the, in the rose garden that need to be, that need to be plucked. It's like the garden of your mind, man. Yeah. You know, your mind is, that's why it's, they use that metaphor so much, the garden of your mind. It's your mind is a garden, man. And things will grow in that garden no matter what you do. Yeah. Good or bad. Good or bad. But it's about finding what's good and finding what's bad and removing the bad. And you have to constantly maintain it like your body, like anything else. It's not something that you can say, I learned these life lessons and now I'm in a much better spot and I'll never make that mistake again. It's like, no, like you're that type of person. You're wired a certain way. You're probably going to be put and tested in certain situations where you're tempted to make those same mistakes because God wants to test you and see, is he strong enough now? Right. Did he truly make it past? Did he truly get the lesson? Did he truly get the point? Or was he just was he just was he just listening to me when he was at his worst? Is he going to serve me on the mountaintop when he's in victory and I've given him this favor and blessed him? You know, is he going to listen to me then, or is he just going to listen to me and use me as a vending machine and call it to me? Oh God, blah blah blah. You know, my life sucks right now. Please change it. It's like no, like God. He, you know, you, you take, you take, uh, Mike Tyson said this and I loved it. He said, he said, you take the one that brought you to the dance home. Yeah. You know, 
And he said in that, and he said it about God. He said, uh, you know, if God favors you, the devil's going to favor for you too. And he's going to come after you. And he knows exactly what you like. Yeah. He knows exactly what you like, your language, everything you speak. He knows how to pull you in and promise you the world and give you nothing. And at the end of the day, um, you know, God's just going to be straightforward with you. And it's like, he's like, listen, knocking on the door, knocking on the door. And he's saying like, you're like, you're going to let me in? Are you going to, you know, are you, are you going to, if I help you out now, are you going to repay the favor later on? And give me the glory, or are you gonna, you know, are you gonna forget about me? Right. Basically, be like, oh yeah, I'm on top now. Well, and and Deuces. you know, well, the thing is, like, it's, it's, we don't give enough respect to the idea that good is challenging, bad is easy. Yeah. And, and no, and you know, it is. That's so true. And, and you know, we we've demonized that. in society, we've demonized challenges. And, Thank you. And as we it's demonize so challenge, we incentivize easy we incentivize everything simplicity. needs to be easy and when and things are easy and what it what is easy similar to there's uh, it, to me there's not a you know i don't want to i don't want to get off on a tangent here too but i will say that there is absolutely a more satanic vibe in our society now than there was 50 years ago dude did you see and, doja cat I, I, yeah, Sam Smith. It, you you see, it. dude. All Hollywood of them, all, General all, Megan Hollywood, Fox, MGK. Dude, Hollywood is is tapped, bro. Yeah, it's tapped. But like, absolutely, bro. It's all satanic BS. They want to literally degrade our worth to to essentially not like great men. Great men aren't being built these days. They're not. Boys are just just like what what was that quote that was really good it said um it's easier to raise uh raise up good men than it is um no it's easier to raise up good boys than it is to repair broken men yeah and that's what i truly believe and i think our youth is being so deceived into believing that it's uh you know they're they're chasing the happy hole it's all about being happy and yep. all about what makes you feel good and everything like that. It's like, no, bro. You know what's like, ironic to chasing happiness is that it it gets you further away from it. Yeah. Because happiness is yeah. not to be chased. It's and to, it's, and it's and to it's be not, earned. It's, it's to be earned and it's literally a feeling like like you can never always be happy. If you were always happy, there would be no – there would be like if it's always light and you don't know darkness, like there has to be darkness Life for is there to be yet. light. Life is yin yang. yang. Literally, so, you have to experience sadness so you can experience happiness. You right. have to experience hardship so you can experience growth. You have to. There's a reason why when you get slapped in the across the face, you know it hurts, and it's you get mad. You it's should. because most of the time you don't hurt. Yeah. The only reason you know it hurts is because you and, don't hurt. No, exactly, exactly. So it's like, and if and most of the time, life does give you hardships and stuff. And if you're constantly just numbing yourself, you're never going to be, you're going to keep facing that same problem until you can understand, okay, wait, I need to learn something from this. I'm obviously, I keep facing the same problem. So what am I doing wrong in this equation? Time for me to blow off some steam. A little story from this morning. <laughs> yes. Because I've been holding, holding it. <laughs> because I've been so, holding it. So dude, I, I wake up this morning. And I have like just a Facebook notification. I've been joining a bunch of the local, um, local like residents groups, whatever. And some woman 
or man, I don't know, anonymous poster. But she, she was. We don't know these days. Yeah, we, we don't know. It was an anonymous post, but I'm assuming it was a mother because you know mothers are more nurturing usually. So, um, anonymous post puts on this big paragraph about a Salem Elementary School and how her kid came back from school yesterday, so hot, exhausted from the heat, and and asking for people to to can- oh cancel school. She wanted. He wanted everybody to cancel school for this child because this child is supposedly going to die, I, I guess, in this school from 90 degrees. And that was just an example today of a parent who was completely ruining their child's future like- well-being by allowing this child to learn that a challenge and a hardship is to be met with with surrender yeah and retreat is is no, a and I horrible see that, path and that's that's a, a lot of the problem i had um my past relationships and stuff is i you know i think a lot of people see and from their the way that they've been parented growing up they they believe that that enabling your child and and letting them not feel pain is good for them. And that's why I said it was so important for me that that changed my life when my dad kicked me out and made me taste the pain and the karma that I had built up. And he said, all right, son, you want to keep, you want to keep dragging dirt in when you come in the house, eat it, Mm -hmm. eat it it for one night and and eat it. No, eat it, eat it for a few months until you get sick of the taste of dirt in your mouth. And you say, no, I'm not going to, you know, there's a story about the prodigal son or whatever in the Bible, and it basically says, like, this son was like, um, I forget why he left home. But he came He came to the realization, he, he literally, he was the son of a prince or something, or son of a king, so he was a prince. And I think he was, he was like, he uh, wasn't the, I don't think he was the oldest. Um, but the, the other son literally stayed by his father and served him all of these days and was great, right? And the other one was like jealous basically of his brother and left home and all this stuff. And um, he ended up sleeping with the cows, like in the pigs and being a slave and, and, and to this other person. And he, and he thought to himself, the slaves in my father's house get treated better than this. Right. The slaves in my foot. So he swallowed his pride and he went home. But that's kind of like the thing of like life is like, you're going to keep eating your karma until you can you until you get sick of it and you put down your foot and you say no i'm i'm not going to sell myself short i'm going to be better than this and for me it was like i never could come to the spot of having i think i now i have a lot of self-worth but i think back then i couldn't come to the part of having the self-worth to do that when i really got given purpose was when i had my daughter and i said it doesn't matter how i feel about myself if i think i'm a piece of shit I'm not going to have her eat my brokenness. I'm not going to have her eat my bad decisions and my karma. I have to change as a man, not because, not because, you know, for me, I have to change as a man for her. Right. So no, no matter how I feel about myself, I have to do what's best for me because it's going to be what's best for her. Yeah. I'll give you one, one more example and then we'll move on. Um, 
Bill Burr. You know the comedian, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I love him. He's so, so funny. So Bill Burr says it best because I love comedians when they like, especially Bill Burr. He makes he's awesome like, points. Super like, direct. Like, like, you know, he's super direct, dude. He's hilarious. And honest, but and the points honest. that he makes are legitimately like so down the middle, like perfect. And one of the things that he said, he's like, when I had a daughter, he's like, I was worried, and still am. He's like, he, he or he was making a joke. He's like, my daughter has yet to meet me. He's like, she's just, she's just met, she's oh just God. met the me that's like, oh, hey, how you doing? Oh, oh, daddy almost snapped there. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah, so he, no, he's, he's like, but he always oh says, he's like, God. who are you, you parents to just get these innocent little children and start downloading all your stupid bullshit into <laughs> yeah, their hard yeah. drive? And, yeah, no, and it's, it's such a funny way to put it, but like, dude, it's so real. It's like this woman this morning, who are you to start downloading your laziness in, in your like, you're your, your, your victim mentality victim mentality is what it is. you're just downloading it into this poor kid's hard drive and it's like dude i was outside working all day all today in the heat day no I no didn't... but that i was i was working all day when i was younger yeah i no, remember I was being too. in uh, being under being under a crawl space of a lake house Putting up itchy insulation in a hundred and nine de- like yeah. hundred and nine degrees, my my sweats dripping down my face. I'm eleven years old and my dad had me do it because I was small enough to fit in the crawl space. And and I'm like, Dad, can I come out yet? No, son, is it is the job done? No, Dad. That, still- there's your answer. Well, and that's <laughs> and it, dude, I'm that's like- the thing. It's like it's like, you're alive. You didn't die yeah, up there. No. You never blacked out. You know, it's it, it and it's. He's it, like, you may have, but you would have you would have gotten dragged out. You would have been fine. But, all right, man. So switching gears, um, there's something I like to do on here. It's becoming a little tradition. It's where I have every guest ask a question for the next guest. They oh, don't know that. who the next guest is going to be. The Wait, only who picked out who picked out my question. I can't. Well, you can go back in a Was couple weeks. No 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 no, 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 no. So it's like it's it's the direct next guest. Okay. So like whoever was before you. So you'll see episode eight, whoever oh. it was. Oh, sick! So, I'm actually gonna do that. Yeah, and then so, it's kind of like it gives you even more of an like almost like an incentive to kind of like. Yeah, so you're like, gonna obviously in. ask one for the yeah. next one, but the only stipulation is that it has to be asked in a way where the guest could answer and bring value to the audience. Of any industry, so I don't. My next guest may or may not be a real estate person. Who knows? So your question is gonna just have to be something. All right, I already have one. All right, perfect. So I'm gonna ask you what the last guest asked. Okay. So the last guest asked, "What are you doing now to make your and your family's life better?" I think what I'm doing now to make my and my family's life better is um instead of I've oftentimes in my life and I think I went over this a little bit in this podcast um you know talking about giving from a place of abundance and um I think I've been prior, trying to prioritize I know people are always like oh I'm working on myself I'm doing myself and stuff and for the longest time I kind of said um like no like if you focus on yourself then all you're going to run into are problems and stuff within yourself and then it's you can't really help out other people and stuff but 
I've kind of changed and, and, and reflected on that. And I was like, no, you know what? Some of that's wrong because you can't give from a place. You, you, you can't give what you don't have, you know? Yeah. And if you don't focus on yourself and you're not putting your own health first and putting yourself first in some senses, then you aren't going to be able to give to others in the future. And I think um, this season of my life, I'm really taking a step back and looking at not just distractions and stuff, but where do I want to go? Um, what do I want to do? And what is it going to take to get there? And I've really, this is a very crucial season for me because I have a lot more time on my hands and everything and I have very minimum distractions. So any distractions I get added, I put them there. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I have to take responsibility for putting them there. Self-inflicted. Self-inflicted. Uh, I mean, before it was a thing where it was like, yeah, I'm, I was making the best out of something that had already happened. But now it's it's um, it's like I'm it's like I'm starting fresh. So I'm really trying to not not let those you know those those bad seeds in 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 the garden of my mind and I'm trying to say okay what 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 are the good seeds what are the bad what are you know what are the ingredients that I'm putting in that aren't working out you know and right. I'm trying the recipe and then saying okay no let's let's do it this way this time so it's really a, a season of discovery for me where I'm I'm trying to focus on being the best version of myself I can be and knowing full well that it will affect the others around me because I've seen if there's one lesson I've learned throughout my life, it's that what you do affects others, even if you don't want it to, you Absolutely, know, yeah. um, you, it's just how life works. It's for every cause of action, there is a reaction, you know? And I think if you're not doing what's best for yourself, then it's really hard to help others do what's best for them. And, um, and I learned that the hard way. And so I was trying to fix a lot of issues all at once without addressing my own. And I got caught up in my own issues, even, you know what I'm saying? And right. think, thinking I was going about it the right way. Oh, you know, focus on others, give to others and stuff. But it's like, if you keep giving your gold away and you don't ever take a minute to reflect on it and bring it back to yourself and say, okay, like, this is what I have to offer. Is this going to be beneficial to this person in this time and season if it's not then you pull back a little right. bit and distance yourself a little bit so yeah, similar to your point about um about being thinking you're more established than you are yeah yeah very similar and that's kind of like the same like along the same lines of this lessons i've been learning and if there's anything i've like as it's been really loud and clear in the season it's like case focus on time to you know step back and and, and really take a look I think every chapter of your life, you have to, like I said, take a step back, look at it, really look at it for what it is and not how you feel about it and say, okay, have I fallen into complacency? Have I done this? Have I, you know, you know, have I not been hitting legs lately? Like, <laughs> like stupid stuff like that. Right even. Yeah. You know, like, like what are, what, are, what is lacking and what do I need to increase and what do I need to, you know, what can I, you know, spend less focus on because that's sufficient and move towards the things that I need to increase and that need more attention. So I've been, I'm really just, I guess you could say reassessing and, but being very firm and, and stern with myself and saying, no case, okay, like, like if it's not creating good fruit, 
then walk away, you know? And it's, I'm looking at it, things a lot more cutthroat and I'm not really giving myself any space for failure. And it also, I think you have to determine what success looks for and what success, no, what success looks like and what success means to you because success can be different to everyone you know, their version or definition of success. And I've been learning more and more what success means to me and how I need to implement what I need to implement in my life to get what I want. And I've been, you know, I've been doing that and trying to cut down distractions and everything like that. But I think it's really important for everyone in their life, especially when they're opening a new chapter or a new opportunity and it's at their doorstep to look back in the rear view because it's like some people say, you know, if you look in the rear view for so long, you won't be able to see what's ahead of you. I think the rear view tells you exactly what's ahead of you. So it's a little bit different. Yeah, I think you know? there's a rear view on the rear view. Yeah, point yeah. the other way. Yeah, literally. So it's like, and yeah, because, you know, it's your, the skeletons in your closet are going to be there your whole life if you don't go bury them in the backyard. And just you know, <laughs> that sounds dark. But no, you know no, saying? no. But, but it 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 has to be. You, you gotta you have handle to give your analogy, business. Yeah. You gotta handle your business, and you gotta rise up and and be able to be honest with yourself. And it sucks being honest with yourself, especially because like especially when you run half the race and you realize you're going the wrong way. Right. But I think. I think it's crucial and I think that's what needs to be happening for growth. And and I wouldn't be learning these how to set healthy boundaries with myself and I wouldn't be discovering myself, you know, more and more and understanding myself more and my why I do things the way I do them and where my head's at if I didn't take time to reflect on my past and where I came from and how far I've come. Not only just how far I've come, but the mistakes I made along the way and take responsibility for them and being able to be like, yeah, I'm going to move forward and I'm not going to make these mistakes again. But that might not work for everyone. I had to figure that out, like that way of thinking out for myself. Like, okay, this works best for you, Case. Because some people look at the mistakes and they're like, oh, blah, blah, this person, this person, this person. Like I tend to be someone who takes more responsibility than I shouldn't. Usually. Well, there's a reason why those people who say this person, that person don't grow. There is an objective way to go about growth. So I and might, it, it is taking an audit of your life and that's what you're doing right now. Yeah, literally an audit. So it's like, I might not be, I, I'm generally the person that smashes my head against the wall until it breaks or I break. And, um, that's kind of how I've always gone about my, my life. My older brother, I look up to him so much. He's smarter. He <laughs> he can learn from other people's mistakes and be like, nope, not going to do that and go this way. Yeah. I'm not like that. I run right into the fire until I'm like, oh, this burns. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But that's always how I've been. And that's and I don't necessarily think it's wrong. I just think because learn, I've learned a ton of lessons. I wouldn't be nearly as good with people as I am if I didn't, you know, do that. People's have all all sorts of, you know, demographics and everything like that. I wouldn't be as... Because I was really sheltered when I was younger. And then it was like I completely broke out of that. Um, and I got hit hard. Like I didn't know how to handle any of it. Like like popularity, attention, nothing. So like being hit with that and then coming full circle and realizing, you know, being people person wasn't even the best. Like not even the 
like you could still get burnt as a people person like you always think the grass is greener on the other side and then you get there and you're like shit like like this grass is green but i gotta cut it every single day my dirt yard i didn't need right. to touch you know what i'm saying right. well it, it it's similar like, like you just mentioned your brother too like it it aligns with your personality very well the fact that your brother and i don't know him personally is able to look at somebody else's mistake and say yeah i'm okay with not knowing what that mistake feels like you literally you're an optimist and an optimist is is a type of person no one to hold them no one to fold them an optimist never folds them right Mm -hmm. because if you're going to fold them typically it's the beginning of the hand yep you could have some optimism that you know they will fold five cards out and you could win that round but that's that's you're not learning from the mistakes of people who have had the similar hands to you so it's it's that whole idea and you know it's like there's a lot of benefits and a lot of you know there's strengths to that and there's weaknesses for instance strengths i'm extremely resilient compared to him like yeah he'll he'll do it for a while but if it's not working he's gonna walk away me i will try to like break my back to make it work and if it doesn't work i'll keep trying until i literally pass out and then if it doesn't work then then i still keep trying yeah, and, and may, maybe you'll decide until finally it kicks me hard enough and i say okay i like this isn't meant to be right like it, like there's like this is not meant it's i'm forcing it you know and i've learned that in my life too when i'm forcing things i tend to and i've been a lot different in that aspect too in my life is instead of forcing things so much i'm i remember case you're a lot more resilient than other people you're meaning you're forcing this you know what i'm saying like yeah this might seem like it's not coming as hard to you and not giving you too much trouble but that doesn't mean you need to go through that trouble and i've still i've been trying to learn from you know from his viewpoint and my own but still coming to the point where it's like it's okay to try hard it's okay to fail and fail and fail and try again try again try again but you have to learn from those lessons and that's what's important is it's not bad to be resilient and strong like i've had to be you know being with the personality you said i have but i have to be smart now like i wasn't in the past and know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Know, what, know? know what a lesson is know what versus a lesson know is. when you keep going. Exactly. And, you know, knowing what's a hiccup and what is basically, like, a shitty hand, you know. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's what that's where I'm at. Um, I think it's just a real season of just self-discovery. And I, I'm, I've, for, it's kind of refreshing because for the first time in a long time, Um, I think I touched on this with you last time when we were at the networking event, but I was like, for the first time in a long time, I've been really honest with myself and I needed to come to a point of saying, okay, this, this, I'm starting to go down a road that I don't want to be on again. And I said, all right, like I, I didn't let myself get nearly as deep as I did before because I was just naive and dumb before. But now I had all of that wisdom that when I started to recognize the same type of routine thought patterns like my thought patterns were starting i was starting to think in the same way that i kind of used to i was like no 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 no. i hear more control and even in your voice i hear more control control of your life like control of your life and your temptations and even even i'll just i'll just be honest like even the way even the speed at which you're talking doesn't seem as frantic 
mm-hmm. it seems like you're just calmer, mm. happier. You have more peace. And I know, I know, I noticed that. I absolutely noticed that, and I think that that is is like I can't put into words how happy I am to hear that from you yeah. because you know <laughs> Thank I, you, man. I I I know some of the stories you've told me, and you know you've shared some of them. Which yeah. I, I can't explain my appreciation for coming on here and sharing some of that vulnerability. You know, the whole goal of this is to bring value to people from all walks of life and, you know, especially the younger, naive people. And I think that you and your story and where you're at today and where you were at only just a few years back and just how you explain that process and really the things that you went through and the things that it took. And the gratitude you have for the people around you, it's just, I I know that people are going to listen to this and I know that people, it, it's going to sit with people regardless of if they've ever struggled like you have or not. Mm. It absolutely did with me. And so I appreciate you sharing all that. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. It, yeah. It, um, it takes a lot to look at yourself in the mirror in full, in full honesty, but I think if you're, if you're able to do it even just a little bit, um and really look deep down and, and say you know what take responsibility man that's the biggest thing take responsibility because you are in control at the end of the day you know you can only control what you can control but there's a lot more than you can control than people take responsibility for you know people are like if you can't control it let it go and it's like that can be dangerous yeah absolutely because there's a lot more than you can control people are often small-minded and don't realize how much they can control limiting beliefs limiting beliefs bro and they can be very small-minded and they and then they get in it's very easy to get into a hamster wheel of just oh it's this person's fault it's that person's fault it's like no case you allowed yourself to be around that person. You allowed yourself to be influenced by them. You allowed yourself to do this. Why? Yeah, I actually touch on that, or I don't touch on it. I discuss it in depth with, uh, I think it's episode three with my buddy Spencer. He's a psychology major. And, I and love that. I'm going to watch that. Watch that one. Uh, we, we rambled on for an hour and a half at least. And um, I'm big into psychology. I love it. And I we talk for like probably a good 30 minutes about radical responsibility Yeah, and radical responsibility is exactly that. It's saying like, yeah, this person that I put myself around is absolutely a horrible influence. It's not their fault that they influence me. Yep. It's, my, it's fault my fault that I put myself in a position to allow them to influence me because they are influential people mm-hmm. and I am the problem. So yeah, you couldn't have said it better. And give it giving a great example um what question do you have so my question is what does success look like to you and in what point in your life did you feel like you began to understand what that looked like for you did you begin to, what was the turning point, right? Where you finally felt like you got traction and started going on the path towards success. And what was, um, and if you haven't reached it yet, 
then what does that oh, well, i already said what does that look like <laughs> but um what does success look like how how uh what was the second thing i said so you said what does success look like to you and i summarized it and when did you begin to understand what it meant you mentioned something about like traction yeah yeah, yeah. at what something point did like you that. get traction and start to gain that momentum towards success yes and what uh, at what point um and has and has that ever changed for you because I know multiple times in my life, I my definition of what I thought was success has been shattered and then re, remade multiple times, and uh, and I don't think I'm 100% even there yet. But I think I, I think you rediscover your own success multiple multiple times, and that goes back to what Matthew McConaughey was saying um, about like being your role model 10 years from now, and 10 years from now, and 10 right. years from now. You know, it's a growth mindset. Yep. And, um, yeah, mm. I mean, I don't even know exactly what success looks like for me. I just, I just know the type of man I want to be. And that was my answer to that, you know, Yeah. is, um, is, you know, what would I do? What would I do? What the, what would the man 10, what would me 10 years from now do? You know, the man I want to be, what would he do in every single scenario I face? And I love that you incorporate your daughter in that too. I think like when you mentioned, you know, one of the pivoting moments for you was to change who you were, not, not even for your daughter, which it was, but not even the cliche, oh, I did it for my daughter. It's, I did it because evidently what you are is what your daughter will attract. Yeah. As a man, no, I know that, and, and, and so you you the hit the nail thing. on the head with that. I was like, I that was what hurt me so bad is because I had such a good father, and then I, I I looked at myself and I was like, it wasn't even that I was a piece of shit, or I I don't want her to deal with me. It's like I know that the man I am, and and how I even treat my wife, and how I and how I treat how I treat just people in my life, dude. That's what's gonna that type of person is the man that my daughter is going to want is someone like me, someone like her dad. And that's literally human psychology. So it's like the first relationship she's going to see between a man and a, and a woman is her mom and her dad. And if that doesn't, if that, if love looks broken, if, if, if brokenness is, is what we call love, yelling at each other doing all this you know what i'm saying even stuff like that like if that's what we call love then that's what she's gonna think love is and that's what she's going to accept and that broke my heart the fact and like after that like even the little things dude like arguing with her mother like everything like that i was like no like i can't do it and that's i i mean i guess you could say i got distant but like i that was me trying to restrain myself and make sure that i was always stoic around my daughter you know because i would never i've only ever sh shouted back at people like twice when um when that happened um when when you know you know there were only like two times in my life that i that i yelled at her mother and both times my heart broke because the minute I yelled at her, I realized what happened, like what I just did. And I looked at my daughter and I was like, if she ever remembers this, I won't, will not forget this day. 
And that's when I started just walking out of the house. And, you know, I'd just get mad and just I'd say, you know, you talk to me how you want to talk to me, but I'm going to walk. I like that, though. But, yeah, and that's what, another thing for men. I think being stoic is extremely important. And I don't think, um, I think everyone's um, so caught up in emotions and, and you know, they want, they want, guys to act lash out and everything like that and and andrew tate is getting so much like like freaking hate for telling people to control themselves very simple (laughs) simple things like simple things like hey have some self-control in life you know that's not bad for you and it's like it's like oh he wants us to bottle up our emotions this is how serial killers are made it's like Like, no no no, the opposite no 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 he just doesn't want you to lash out and and don't control their emotions and don't show restraint and don't exercise restraint is when serial killers are made yeah jordan peterson says it best says you should be capable of pure violence but know how to harness it there's there is there is zero um there there's no What's the word he used? Um, there's, is it, I think I've heard this. There's, there's like zero respect to a man who is incapable yes. of violence, but a man who is dangerous and can restrain himself is one of the most powerful, fearsome people. Yes, but there. he uses the word, I believe it's morality. There's, there's, there's no morality in, in being incapable of violence. Yep. It's, it's it doesn't a, even matter how vi- it doesn't even matter how dangerous you can be if you can't restrain it. Like martial arts is literally all about being in control of your opponent and yeah. being in control of your even even yourself and your own strength. Like if it doesn't matter how strong you are, I've seen I've seen the biggest guys get knocked out from like little little guys mm-hmm. because those little guys were skilled and they knew how to control their bodies in a way where all they needed was one punch and that guy hit the ground because yeah. he was uncoordinated and just a big meat right you know who had all this strength and had n- and no idea how to use it yeah so it's like control is yeah control is definitely huge 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 key factor in success in going far and just in life like be be controlled show restraint you know um take responsibility for this stuff in your life and and you know be patient with yourself and be patient with others because you're gonna find you know that there's a lot more to discover within yourself than you know you know you don't know yourself half as half as much as you think you do right and i think life is all about discovering you know yourself in a way where you can learn to maneuver your weaknesses increase them and um and use your strengths to get ahead and really really find out what it, success means to you and what how you're going to utilize the tools you have to to grow, get better and figure out who you are as a person and what your purpose is here. Cuz that's all everyone I feel like that's like everyone's main thing is like what is my purpose? Right. <laughs> you know, so it's It's like, a question we all try and figure out. Yeah, exactly. But there's never really an answer. There really isn't. It, you need to create the purpose. You need to create the purpose. And that's, that's, I love that. That's, I, that, that was the most simple way you could put it. There's never, you'll never find an answer. You have to create one. And, um, and now that's that's where the real game is, you know. <laughs> that's where it's like. And that's where part two starts. Yeah, that's where part two starts. Creating the purpose. Yep. All right, case. Um, where can people find you? 
Uh, you can find me at um, you can find me casefoster.realty um, on Instagram, or you can find me uh, my cell phone number six zero three eight one eight one six seven six. If you ever need call, <laughs> I'm I'm here for you. Um, and uh, you know, Case Foster Realty One Group in Bedford, New Hampshire, and I'm I'm here whenever you need to reach out. So, awesome, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate you coming on today. Oh, man. Thank you.